to the Biblical Entrepreneurship Marketplace podcast. We're so excited that you can be with us. We're going to be talking about what God is doing in the marketplace. And now, our host, Patrice Seguet. Welcome to the Biblical Entrepreneurship Marketplace podcast. I'm Patrice Seguet, your host, here with Posim. Posim, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. We are here at the Nehemiah Portland office at the headquarters. And Poe actually is uh, the director of the e-community. She's based out of Malaysia. You hear Poe in the U.S. twice a year. It's one of the times you're here in the United States. And we're going to talk about the Nehemiah e-community 2018 outlook. Uh, during this time of year, uh, we like to interview all of our directors to kind of get a sense of what, what they have planned for the year. And to kind of educate you, our listeners, it relates to their specific area, what's happening there, why you want to take advantage of it. But more importantly, get to know them and get to understand them a little better. So, Bo, first of all, welcome again to the United States. Thank you. Well, Bo, uh, before we kind of get into your background, because most of our listeners um, may not know you personally, and this is their first time, you work in Malaysia most of the time. And then in the U.S., some of the time, you kind of go back and forth. You kind of have two offices. It's almost half-half. Half-half. So uh, people are asking, how does that work? You know, uh, first of all, how is it? Is it good, okay? Is it, how, how, is it, is it stressful? Is it challenging? Because you're kind of half in Malaysia, half in the U.S. Yeah, but then again, the team, half of the team is in U.S. and half of the team is Malaysia. And that so therefore, true. it doesn't really make a difference where I am because I'm still working remotely with half of the team somewhere. Um, but I think with this day and age and technology, the amazing thing is that you can literally work anywhere and work that remotely is true. and be in contact with people, pick up the phone and just call them. Right. So it doesn't really make that much of a difference to me, I think, except for that, you know, face-to-face -face interactions and meetings, which helps me because I keep going back and forth. Yeah, but some people have a challenge with that kind of adjustment, right? But you seem to be handling okay. I think it also depends on the team. Like True. Some people have a hard time being in virtual meetings. They just can't adapt to it. But I think because Nehemiah's team is so, you know, used to it on this end, and the team that I work back home in Malaysia, they are also, and most of them are millennials, we don't seem to have that much of a problem. That's right. We are very virtual. As a matter of fact, everything that uh, for Nehemiah Project, you can literally do everything virtual that you can do in the office. As a matter of fact, sometimes for us, it's more efficient out of the office than in the office. Right, because you skip all these surface talks and you go straight to the agenda for the meeting. That's right. That's right. So, well, for those who are listening, say, but that's so impersonal. What about the relational dynamic? What would you say? I think the whole relational aspect is what you build outside of those meetings. Mm. So if you are going into a meeting and just focusing on an agenda, you know, um, I think you lose that aspect of it. And so I think being there in person, um, like being here in the U.S. and like working with the staff, I think the first time when I was here, it really helped me because it helped me to understand who they were, to get to know them personally, get to know their life, and not just having that working relationship. That helped me to really connect with them. And so it also helps me to connect with them outside of just work meetings, you know. Yeah, more kind of relational. Yeah. So somebody listening to us, a lot of entrepreneurs listen to our podcast, and they glean from this podcast as to how they can build their own businesses inside and so forth. And they're looking to set up a virtual kind of work environment. 
What are some key things you can share with them that has helped you as a, as a staff person who works in Malaysia and in the U.S. that they may want to consider as they're trying to create this virtual dynamic without losing relational touch? What are some things that we do here in Nehemiah or that you've done intentionally that has helped in maintaining both, both soft and soft and what's it called? Soft and hard touch. What's it called? High tech and high touch. I see. Um, I think for me being here, you know, it was intentional of sitting down, talking to people, having meals, getting to know them, getting to know their hopes and dreams, getting to know their personal life. Um, even though it may not be very often, but I think those moments were really key. And I think sharing your life too and being able to relate at that personal level. Um, and also back home with the team that I'm working with, a lot of them I've known you know, through the past years, I've worked with them and all that. And having that relationship, it makes it so much easier when we need to get things done, you know, in a short period of time. Awesome. So the lesson learned there is that if you have a virtual virtual environment, creating opportunity for the staff to connect personally during strategic moments of the year uh, that allows for those uh, high tech dynamics to happen a lot more smoother right and i think also being intentional even throughout the year of like checking on with them connecting with them personally instead of it all being just about work now we also have a culture dynamic here uh the asian culture is different than the american culture that's true how have you been able to kind of cross now you we're going to get to your background in a minute you actually had an advantage because you went to school in america but how have you been able to bridge those two um I think it hasn't been that bad because I'm kind of used to the American culture, but there are, you know, certain challenges and certain, I think, expectations or certain things that you say and you don't say. I think one of the things that I had a challenge with when I first came to college in America was that you have to be a little bit more, you have to get out of your box Mm. because with the Asians, they're very conservative. They're quiet. They don't really talk much. More but subtle in, in your... Yeah, yeah, whereas with Americans, if you don't get up there and talk to somebody, you're not going to make friends, you know? <laughs> and so, like, you just have to kind of, like... Get out of your, your box. Own way, get out of your box. Be a little bit more assertive, I, I guess, not aggressive. And, you know, like, make that intentional connection. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's talk about it. So, uh, you were born in Malaysia. Yeah. Um, but you are Chinese. Chinese-Malaysian. Uh, Chinese-Malaysian. Uh, so, talk... A bit about that. So for those who are listening, what does that mean, Chinese-Malaysian? Give people a little backdrop. Now, first of all, Paul does not know a whole lot about Chinese history. I guess that. So I hate to talk about you, Paul. But so for the listener, they're hearing Malaysian, hearing Chinese. What does that mean? Because when we think Chinese in America, we think in China. Right. Uh, Or sometimes some Americans think all of Asia is China. But give them a little context in terms of what does that mean, Chinese Malaysia, and where's Malaysia in relationship to all of China, all of uh, Asia? Well, we have a slogan that says Malaysia is truly Asia. I'm not completely sure what that means, but um, for Malaysians, um, we have the three main races, which is the Malays, which is the native. Um, race. Okay. And then we have the Chinese and the Indians who are also there. Um, I think, I believe the Chinese were there even before, you know, the British came. But during the British occupation, they brought in a lot of workers from China and India and all that. And then um, as we, you know, achieved independence, we kind of stayed on and we became citizens. And so for me and my family, 
for the past three generations at least, we've been Malaysians. So if you ask me, I don't really know much about China. I don't really have the urge to go to China. I'm sorry. And I didn't grow up very... And there's a funny situation. <laughs> we, uh, myself, Sim, and two of our other staff person, my wife Gina and Deborah, we were traveling through China to go to Malaysia. And we get to Guangzhou Airport, and we had a whole day to spend there. And so the airline allowed us to go out to the hotel to spend the day at the hotel to rest. Um, since our flight were eight hours later and they let us, the Americans are myself, Gina and Deborah, and they wouldn't let you out. And we were in China. And, uh, so that was interesting. No, that's because I have a Malaysian <laughs> passport and you actually need a visa to get out. <laughs> anyways, <laughs> Malaysia is a developing country and I think being Chinese Malaysian, we still inherit certain kind of um, mentality, you know, uh, practices um, being Chinese. But yet at the same time, because Malaysia is not China, you know, we're more developed. If you think Singapore, if that helps you understand it a little bit better, you know, we're a few steps behind. But um, so it's that mixture of being like, you know, international metropolitan, but yeah. yet you have your kind of roots in that culture. And Malaysia was actually developed ahead of China, though today's China's economy is bigger than Malaysia's. Would you agree? Economic-wise. Economically. Yeah. Uh, now, and, and the Chinese in Malaysia, the Chinese Malaysians are the ones that really drive the economy in Malaysia. Would you, would you, is that a true statement? Yeah, I mean, they drive it everywhere. Everywhere. Because That's they're true. hardworking people and they're all about making money. Are you saying that because you're Chinese? Are you saying that because, <laughs> well, that is, that is true. <laughs> Chinese, true. everywhere Chinese kind of drive the economy. So, so let's talk about, so let's talk. So, so you grew up in Malaysia, born there, a third generation Malaysian. You, your parents, you then end up in America for college. Uh, you end up where? Where did you go to college in the, in the U.S.? Uh, Massachusetts. Massachusetts. What college is that? Are you embarrassed to say? <laughs> <laughs> so it's an Ivy League college. That's important. It's there. Wellesley College. Wellesley College. Not very high culturally, but academically very good. Um, and so you went there. How was that experience like? <laughs> <laughs> is that oh, good or bad? <laughs> <laughs> wish somebody would have kind of warned me. Yeah, of the college. high liberal, it's very liberal because college. Because it was so liberal. And I thought, silly me, I thought that coming to a small women's college that I'd be safe because, you know, we were really conservative. <laughs> yeah. On TV back home, like, they would censor even simple kissing scenes. Yeah. And so, like, you know, and then you hear all these crazy things that Americans do and stuff. So I thought I'd be safe. But, oh, my goodness. <laughs> you it was way on to the other extreme. Wow. So that's how you're going to do to America. <laughs> yeah. We apologize for that. <laughs> and then you graduate. What's interesting is you, when you finished school, you went back to Malaysia. Mm -hmm. You could have gone to corporate America. You could have done what most people do, stay in America. But what made you go back to Malaysia? Well, that's a story by itself. But it was um, essentially a high calling that I felt like God was leading me back home. And I'd always had a heart for my people back home. Um, and then he just kind of confirmed it and um, said, go back. And so even when I went back, a lot of even church leaders said, why did you come back? You could have worked for a Fortune 500 company. He's gone, you know, gone so many places. And I was like, God said, come back. <laughs> so it was what I did. So you're back in Malaysia. But what's interesting about you, Malaysia, you chose to work for a lot of ministries. I did. With an Ivy League degree. Uh, you tell us about that. So, so you, and as a matter of fact, when I'm in Malaysia, a lot of 
pastors of mega churches all know you because you've contributed so much to the ministries there. Was that a intentional path? Um, I think I'd always had a heart for ministry, and that's kind of where I saw myself. And so graduating, amongst the many things I wanted to do, I explored actually going to seminary. And then, of course, God said, you know, go back, and that was what I did. Um, so I went into an advertising and branding company for a couple of years, and then I went in full-time church because my senior pastor, you know, challenged me to go in. Prayed about it, got confirmation. I was there a few years and then got, you know, challenges to go plant a church, a new church. Um, so that was what we did. And, uh, yeah, and then... So you've kind of always had a heart for ministry. I did. But then you end up starting a business to tell us about that, you know. So when God called us to plant a church, I just needed a way to survive because I knew I was going to spend time in ministry. And so um, I felt like I was led to start a freelance business. And that was what I did. It was kind of scary at first, you know, losing a passive income and all that. But um, I felt like that was what God was leading me to. And so it was only enough for me to survive so that I can focus my time on ministry. So wow. 80% of my time was, was kind of a ministry. ministry. Yeah. And then somehow your pastor, at a certain point, hears about biblical entrepreneurship and gets you and many others of your church. I, I, I mean, almost ten of, us. 10 of you guys. Now, not a large church. So oh, about 20, at least 25% of the church. Yeah, 25%. Of the church to go through BE. What was his motivation there? Um, because if we were strong, um, he had an apostolic gifting and, you know, we were strong and prophetic, but we felt like there were a lot of dreams and visions that we couldn't drive without the demographics of people and the funds that were coming in because um, we did a lot of sports ministry and the people that we pulled in were mainly youth and young adults. And so we didn't really have that income to be able to drive, you know, where the church wanted to go. And so he was like, well, well, all these people who had like had some, you know, ideas of running businesses or some of them are in it, whether they're doing freelance or they are young and they kind of want to explore that in the future. So he kind of sent us through this course. Wow. So you come into BE, you kind of, your pastor made you come and you're the only one that kind of stuck in. So what was, the different, what was different about you that made you stick into BE? Well, it was, I mean, to be honest, like I've been to other business seminars and all that before, but it had always seemed to me like doing business was following the world's way. And then the way they presented it, it was as if you have to learn to do business the world's way, and then we're just going to throw in a few verses to kind of support that notion, mm. you know? So I didn't really understand what business was and to me it was a way of just making money so that i can pour money back into ministries that was my mindset when i went in but i think you know learning about the heart of god and how god intended it to be and seeing it as a platform of god's redemption for the world really changed my mindset of it and i really wanted to learn more wow the potential of it. so there was this whole integrative approach to to business seeing how god would want you to carry out you get stuck. And then fast forward, you and I meet, and I invite you to kind of uh, do some projects for us. Mm -hmm. And that was interesting how that occurred. Mm -hmm. But fast forward, that leads you to join our team. And there's a whole story behind that we're not going to share because I'm going to get you the outlook for this year. 
So then you join our team. Um, you went from doing contracts for us to eventually helping us launch the e-community to eventually becoming e-community director. And now you're director of e-community. You also head up the publishing area. And then you've built an entire, um, uh, uh Nehemiah, what we call it the Nehemiah, Malaysia, the Malaysia support team that kind of supports all of what we do. It's only been about a year and a half. It's only been about a year and a month. Uh, about a year <laughs> and a month. Have you ever had imagined a year and a month ago that all this would have happened? No, I feel like I hopped onto the speed train or something. <laughs> I don't know where the year went. <laughs> wow. So, Paul, for, for those who are listening who do not understand quite what the e-community is, so what is the Nehemiah e-community? Well, the Nehemiah, our three pillars had been for training, coaching, and access to capital. And I think the necessity of building the e-community started off when we realized that we were missing that particular capital um, piece in our three pillars, because we recognized that people went through training and people needed coaching, but they also needed capital to be able to start up their businesses or scale their businesses. And I saw that was how it started up. But then as we went on, it was the whole vision of a community coming together, realizing that, you know, we want to be able to walk with our entrepreneurs, knowing that they don't fight this battle alone, but we want to come alongside them and give them all the support that they need. So the whole idea of community where you can get educational resources, um, find accountability, you know, constant support and everything you need within that network of people. Wow. And then with the access to capital being kind of the, the, the heads of the spear. Let's talk a bit about what has happened this year. I wish we had a lot of time to go through this, but so this year so far within a year of launch, Tell me a bit about what has been accomplished through the Nehemiah community. Well, um, how many members do you have so far? We have about 220. I 220 think members. All right. And then how much capital have been raised for businesses? We have raised about $1.2 million. Wow. $1.2 million. And then there's also a group coaching feature about how many have participated in there, the group coaching feature. I think we had about like 18 registrations, but active ones are probably between eight to like 10. That has been kind of the coaching process. Yeah. And, and so, so the e-community have fully launched. There's all these different features. Mm-hmm. Now, as you look at 2018, uh, first, why would somebody listening, why would they want to be a part of this e-community? I think the question is, why wouldn't they want to be a part of it? Why would they not want to be a part of it? Why would they not want to wow. be a part of it? Because, um, as a BE alum, if you've ever taken a BE class, you're automatically given a free SILA membership. You, all you need to do is just sign up for it. And of course, we have like different benefits for the different levels of it. But understanding the support that you need. I guess coming from like a, a church perspective, it's as if saying you don't just come to church on Sunday and listen to the sermon. But you have to be plugged into the church and within the community mm. to know that you know, that's how to be able to journey through all the challenges that you face in your business. And so within the community itself, the concept of community, you have um, things like mutual support, knowing the people within the network who have ventured 
ahead of you, been there, done that, you know, went through those challenges, the people that you can connect with, get to know, glean from. Um, that's the element of accountability as well. So if you sign up for group coaching, you know, we always assign you to an accountability partner. And so knowing that somebody's there to check on you, make sure that you sit, even if you plot down your goals, that somebody keeps you accountable to make sure that you carry those things out, you know, and you do not steer away from the the thin and narrow path that you're supposed to be on. And of course, that whole encouragement, that push for growth, because we really want to see you succeed. And so all these things are put in place and within the whole concept of community um, that is meant to help you succeed in your kingdom business. Now, if I'm listening to this, I'm in another part of the world, whether Africa, Europe or Asia, and I'm trying to understand, am I going to find relevance on this community or is this all something from an American perspective? What would you say? Um, I think the principles are relevant. You know, I think the application of it may be different. Um, and so we're also hoping that we can raise up like various communities in different countries where they can come together and support one another as well. But everything on the platform is relevant in terms of principles and what you are learning. So both 2018, What's on the horizon for the e-community? What are some things that our listeners can look forward to in 2018 or some objectives that you're trying to meet in 2018? Well, we are definitely um, going to improve our Global Kingdom Investors Network. And so we're going to improve and tweak that process as we continue to onboard more investors and entrepreneurs and smoothen that, um, that process out. And of course, we're going to raise hopefully another $1 million for the Global Kingdom Investors Network. Um, we're bringing in more people um, and trying to connect them in various ways, whether they could um, do businesses with one another, get services from one another, um, and creating even different groups in group coaching, um, which is one of the key elements in the e-community. And it has really been helpful for those who have been through it and finding that support and the you know accountability through it. And so we're hoping that more people will be able to understand those benefits and uh, really take advantage of it. Wow. Paul, as we talk, you're leaving this week for Malaysia. How do you feel? I don't know. I guess, you know, it's another phase because there's so much, so much work that needs to be done. Um, and I'm so blessed to have the Malaysian team. And I think I'm looking forward to go back to be able to work with them and get them on board in a lot of things, the many things that I need to brief them about so that they can be more part of it, you know, and uh, my development team is also there. So that is, I know is that you still ride working for Neymar full time. You still have running your business, Vine House Production and the Malaysian team, some of them work for Neymar and for your team. And you've maintained the business because of the whole idea of creating jobs in Malaysia. Right. Could you tell us a bit about that in terms of the opportunity? I mean, your business, even you leading this department, you know, what opportunities does that create for the Malaysians in terms of what you're doing? Um, the, I mean, it's amazing. Even the people in my team, like they have the heart and the vision to even run their own businesses and to hire people, you know, within their sphere of influence. And um, some of them, a lot of them have the heart for ministry as well. So like one of one of the guys, like he's in East Malaysia and he literally quit his job, went there with the heart to be able to train the natives there and to be able to 
give them jobs. And so it's people like that who kind of really encourages me, knowing that even as I give them opportunities and give them jobs, that they in turn can train up other people and give them jobs and, you know, give them the opportunity. And so really running a business wasn't, I can't really say it was my idea. I feel like, you know, it was God's idea and he kind of led me into it. And, uh, but I see that as an amazing opportunity that opens doors for other people to be able to impact, you know, and impart to others as well. How many people total that you employ through through your Nehemiah Asia office and the Vine House production? Well, I work with different ones. Okay. Um, And so I think right now I have between nine to 11 of them. Wow. Nine to 11 people that are able to have the opportunity. I mean, that's huge. And Poe, in closing here, Give our audience a sense of, you know, what are some key, somebody's listening to us and what would you say to really inspire them to understand the importance of first community, but also the importance of stepping outside themselves to be, to be a resource for others. Cause that's what you've done essentially. Oh, before we get to that, actually, you won this year, the chief servant of the year, which is, was selected by your peers here in Nehemiah as the person who's gone the extra mile. Uh, how was that for you, winning that that award and being recognized as a Nehemiah staff that's gone the extra mile this year? Uh, I don't know. I think it's more humbling than anything, you know, knowing that even as God has created this opportunity for you to be able to serve and work, that, you know, other people just kind of recognize your contribution to it. And so it's just encouraging. Wow. So what would you like to say to our audience in terms of what insight can you give them as they look at 2018 in terms of the importance of community, but also more importantly, the importance of really stepping out there and do what God's called them to do? I think it all comes down to your relationship with God and your obedience to him, right? And the whole timing of what, you know, the doors that God has opened for you. And I feel like even stepping into Nehemiah has been you know, an answer to many years of prayer and seeing how God has led me from one thing to another. And um, again, like I said, if you had asked me when I was young, I wouldn't have said, I want to be a businesswoman. And I think even right now, I'm still kind of struggling with that. But um, seeing the opportunities of what it can do and how we can really be that salt and light in a marketplace and how we can inspire other people to do that as well. And the doors and opportunities that it opens up, I mean, it's just baffling. And that's, that's you know, one of the things that I love about Nehemiah. Wow, that is awesome. Post Sim, everybody, at the director of the Nehemiah E community as she talks about the Nehemiah E community 2018 outlook. Poe, thank you so much. We're going to have you come back again next year <laughs> as we look at what's happening here. Thank you so much. I hope that you've been encouraged and inspired. You know, if Poe can do it, any of us truly can do it, how her background, her journey has shaped what she's doing now. I'm not sure what God has called you to do, who is listening to us right now, whether it's to launch your business or whatever you're doing. One word, obey. Mm-hmm. Obey. Uh, secondly, if you're not a member of the e-community, I'll say engage right now. Go to our website, nehemiahproject.org, nehemiahproject.org, and learn how to get engaged and be a part of the e-community. I think Paul said it best. Why would you not want to do it? At minimum, you have a free silver membership. So jump in there and engage. And let's... let's have you a part of the community in 2018 be counted uh in that uh, in that number of course our podcast is available on our website it's available also on your smartphones uh and also on soundcloud if you desire to subscribe to it and continue to be um to be an active listener on a weekly 
uh, basically encourage you to do that. But more important than that, join the e-community and be a part of what God is doing, not just here in America, but around the world. Well, here's my prayer for you. May the Lord give you the grace and favor to build that kingdom company so that one day you can hear those words. Well done, good and faithful servants. God bless you. Thank you for being with us today. We're glad you could join us. If you'd like more information or other resources, please visit our website, www.nehemiahproject.org. God bless.